All right, all set, here we go. Parents don't have to have all the answers. Do you know what you're interested in? Do you know what you want to do? And you quite simply you get a yes or a no. The apprenticeship experience at the Royal Opera House, that level three, first of all, it ensures that we, we are working with a school leaver because some of the environments that we're putting our apprentices into are, are quite dangerous environments. So we need to sort of work with a school leaver first and foremost. But also that the, the, the value that they get in the workplace kind of elevates that level three. Hello and welcome back to the Parent Perspective podcast brought to you by amazing apprenticeships and not going to uni. I'm Rachel Burden and this is the podcast that gives you, parents and carers, everything you need to know to help your children make the right choice after leaving school. From apprenticeships to traineeships, work experience, how to fund your choice, whatever role you play in supporting our incredible young people, we've got you covered. You can find us on the Amazing Apprenticeships website and wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also join the conversation on social media as well. Now, coming up in this episode, we're exploring some of the weird, wonderful and unexpected places that apprenticeships can take young people. And I'm really delighted to introduce you to two of our guests this morning and a third regular voice here on the podcast as well. So first of all, let me introduce you to Richard, who is the Apprentice Manager at the FCDO Services. So that is the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office Services. Richard, hello. Hello, nice to be here. Really, really nice to meet you. And also Sarah Waterman, who is the Apprenticeships and Work Experience Manager at the Royal Opera House. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Hi. Uh, hello there. And Anna Morrison, of course, founder and director of Amazing Apprenticeships. Wonderful to see you back with us, Anna. Thank you. Good to be here. And this is a conversation I know you're excited about because even with your enormous knowledge about apprenticeships and trainee schemes, these are two areas that I think you've opened up your eyes to and learned a lot more about in, in recent times, haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how long you've worked in apprenticeships. I think it's always brilliant when you uncover some of those exciting new roles or businesses. Um, and it gives us something new to be able to talk about. So really excited to be able to get into that today. Richard, let's start with you then. FCDO will mean not a huge amount to a lot of people. So I've already explained what it stands for. But can you just tell us a bit more about the work that you do? Yeah, so we're, we're part of the Foreign Office there. FCDO is Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office, uh, more commonly known as the Foreign Office. <clears throat> so the Foreign Office is, uh, is the UK government representation overseas. Uh, our colleagues in, in the main FCO uh, mostly live and work overseas. We've got embassies all around the globe. Um, they're there to look after British interests, uh, trade, uh, negotiations on, on, on sort of uh, things like that. Um, what we do is slightly different, though. Uh, we don't do mostly what, what the Foreign Office does. Uh, we're more involved in the protection of people, property and assets. So we, we sort of work a lot. We have employ a lot of engineers, uh, IT specialists, logistics, uh, the, 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 the range of sort of options or range of careers that we offer. Are, are quite broad. Yeah, because when you say it's about the kind of structural stuff, if you like, actually, when you go into it, there is um, a very broad definition of different opportunities within your department that I want to get into in, in just a moment. But I also just want to get Sarah to explain a little bit more about the Royal Opera House as well, so so we have an understanding of where she's coming from. And confession to make here, Sarah, uh, because when I was very young, it was my dream when I grew up to be an opera singer. 
Um, unfortunately, I couldn't sing, uh, but I didn't see that as a major issue at the time. I, I think I kind of began to grasp that it might be a bit of an inhibiting factor. <laughs> uh, but tell us more about where you're based and what you do. So absolutely, we are the Royal Opera House, home to the Royal Opera, the Royal Ballet and the orchestra of the Royal Opera House. And um, we have our main base in Covent Garden, um, right bang smack in on Bow Street in Covent Garden. So many people know the sort of iconic pillars at the front of our building. Um, we have two theatre spaces within within that building and the Royal Ballet resident and the Royal um, uh, uh opera and uh, we also have a base in Thurrock in Essex in Purfleet down down river east um, where we have our production workshops a place called High House Production Park um, where we have um, purpose-built workshops that uh, where all our sets get built we're a repertory company which means that most of the work that appears on our stages is made in-house so every prop every costume um, wigs shoes we have an armory we have a huge prop department and then at Thurrock all the sets get built so we have carpenters metal workers uh, construction experts drafts people scenic artists we also have an extra uh, costume workshop there as well and we also have our archive facility there because we have huge amounts of historic uh, costumes so we have apprentices right across the organization and uh as well as that, we have a, a base in Wales because we're a repertory company. We keep bringing back so for, uh, familiar work. So um, we turn around, our main stage turns around every day, twice a day. Sometimes um, there are up to four productions in circulation. So something that might be uh, rehearsing on the stage in the morning is completely struck from the stage, uh, de-rigged, all the lights come down, and then a whole new uh, set comes on for the evening performance and, and is set up, ready to go. So it takes huge armies of people to keep that running. About 300 people work, you know, just to make one show happen for a night. So, um, and there's uh, sort of experts all across the building in various sort of theatre crafts, you know, making costumes, making props. Uh, then there's the sort of technical and engineering side uh, and electricians. And then there are all those other wraparound roles that keep a, an organisation like ours running, like security and marketing and HR and finance. Yeah, very different workplaces, really, the two of you. But the common thread perhaps being that a lot of parents, a lot of teenagers, a lot of people changing their careers just may not have thought about either of these two organisations as, as options at all. Um, and, and Richard, you are involved in, in managing buildings, facilities and so on. Um, you, you've got a couple of bases in the UK, Milton Keynes and London, but actually um, your responsibilities go global, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the perhaps the differences between the apprenticeships that we offer uh, and many other organisations offer is that for some of the schemes, certainly, there is the opportunity for global travel. So our, our main customer is the foreign office, not exclusively. We also work for other UK governments and indeed other what we call friendly foreign governments. So typically the Canadians, the Australians, the New Zealanders. Um, and again, what we do for them and what we do for our main customer is is predominantly, but not exclusively, but predominantly overseas. So, you know, at 18, 19 we, 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 years old, we're sending apprentices to basically anywhere on the, on the globe where our customers want work. Um, some of the schemes will allow us to send those apprentices overseas. So, yes, yeah, I think we've covered just about every continent uh, in the last couple of years with, with apprentice visits. And just looking at the kind of list of apprenticeships that are offered in different areas, technical specialists, architects, IT engineers, 
interior designers, cybersecurity specialists. Now, when you're working with the foreign office, what kind of vetting procedures do you need to have in place to qualify for those roles? So the vetting procedures, as, as you rightly say, are, are a requirement of the role. So we have two basic levels of, of vetting. Um, mostly you need the higher level of, of vetting because of the, the nature of the work. So some of the work we do is, 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 is fairly routine, what we would call unclassified. Some of it, obviously, because of the nature of the work, requires a higher, higher level of vetting. So again, you know, predominantly, but not exclusively, the apprentices we recruit are sort of between 16 and, and 24. So it is, you know, we are putting a, a lot of responsibility on, on quite young shoulders. And I know one thing that you really emphasise is that this is not about sitting on the sidelines. It's about getting stuck in. Absolutely. So we don't, I mean, we don't just recruit apprentices because it's a good thing to do. It is, obviously. Um, but, you know, we, we are an organisation that, that is trying to grow our business. Um, and the areas we're recruiting, and as, as you said, engineering, IT, finance, all those kind of areas, those are areas where UK PLC as a whole are struggling. There is a, a shortage of all of those types of people. So, you know, we're recruiting the, the apprentices of today to be the leaders of tomorrow. So absolutely from basically from from day one, you're expected to sort of muck in, get involved and, and, and make a, a contribution to the business. Absolutely. Anna, I know you've had an opportunity to go behind the scenes at FCDO. What did you learn? What was your impression? Oh, it was incredible. So yes, um, I visited Hanslope Park, which is this location just outside Milton Keynes or Newport Pagnell, kind of, um, you know, deep in the countryside. And um, what really struck me was just how happy and positive and really engaged every single member of staff was. From the moment I kind of went through security and reception, um, everyone was, you know, naturally really welcoming and uh, smiley and happy. And I thought, well, you know, brilliant, you know, of course. But then that didn't stop throughout the whole day. So I got to go around and meet lots of different departments. So I met some of the uh, team working in the logistics area. So the apprentices, the managers, and they were talking with such passion and interest about the work that they were doing. We, I got to learn about kind of how everything um, that's going out to any of our embassies across the world will come through this logistics warehouse. So very detailed, quite complex work, high level of security, you know, kind of airport style security. Um, and it was just incredible. I learned so much. And, and then I went and met some of the engineering apprentices who, again, many of them have already been out traveling, even though they're very early on in their apprenticeship. So they'd already been out to embassies and and had been working on some of that installation of equipment. So um, many people may not know, but, you know, if there is something that needs to be fixed or replaced in an embassy, then often it will be one of our apprentices with support who will be flown out to those embassies to go and carry out that piece of work. So we got to see the kind of training centre and the facilities that the apprentices were working on. And um, they were talking to me about the different types of activities that they've been doing, which was incredible. Um, and then we, um, you know, I kind of continued and got to meet lots of other staff. And then I met all well, loads of apprentices from across the organisation who were just so positive and happy. I can't get across. So it's really hard to kind of help you to visualise just how positive and incredible this environment is and how supportive it is. And I was able to sit with the chief exec and all of the apprentices and a number of the staff like Richard, who were involved in training and supporting and developing the apprentices, 
And I didn't stop grinning all day. You know it's a good visit when you come away and your cheeks are aching from kind of the amount of smiling that you've been doing. Um, I would really encourage everyone to look at FCDO services and the types of apprenticeships that they offer. Because again, it's just one of those kind of organisations who perhaps, you know, young people, families might go FCDO, I don't know, have heard of it, haven't heard of it. Not sure that would be for me, but really encourage them to look behind the scenes, take time to look at the website, look at the range of opportunities. Um, certainly everyone I meet, I will be <laughs> telling about and, you know, trying to explain the opportunities that are available. There. Well, that is a glowing report, Richard. I'm sure you're happy with that. Really what happy. kind of qualifications do you yeah, what kind of qualifications do you need? I, I appreciate that you take people at all sort of different kinds of entry levels, but, yeah. but what are the basics? I mean, really, it depends on the scheme you're applying for. So um, we, we offer a complete range, everything from level two, which is equivalent to GCSEs, right up to level six, which is equivalent to a, a degree. So for the level two uh, uh, schemes that we offer, um, a couple of GCSEs are usually all that you require. Level three, a few more GCSEs. Once you start moving into the level fours and the level six schemes that we offer, uh, that they, they, they then require A-levels in, in certain subjects. So a lot of the engineering schemes at level six, for instance, will require maths. Um, but as I say, we offer a complete range of, of schemes right from the, the lower level twos right up to the level six. And in fact, we have uh, historically run a level seven scheme as well. So I think we've ticked just about every box on the, on the, on the, level, uh, on the level side of things. Well, I want to come back to you and talk about career progression. But before I do that, I want to go back to Sarah. And Sarah, I think the creative arts is perhaps one of those areas that people think it's really hard just to get a foot in the door if you don't know anyone who works in that particular industry. Mm. And it seems to me, actually, apprenticeships like this offer the perfect opportunity if you just want to get a start yeah absolutely and that's that's really where we we began with this scheme firstly to address the skills gaps that we have you know in in the industry which are which are growing actually and, and similarly to uh, to the ones that Richard mentioned in in sort of office-based jobs as well as on on the stage and in construction but also we really want to yeah offer you know people from all all different backgrounds, the opportunities to, to, to work in this industry. And, and we really do want to diversify the, the workforce. And, and that's a real aim of this programme as well. Is that quite a motivation then for introducing schemes like this? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, I think for too long, theatre particularly has sort of been seen as a bit of a closed shop and a bit of a, it's not what you know, it's who you know is the, is the mm. sort of adage you often hear about theatre. And, and we really do want to move away from that image and, and, and um, present the Opera House and other theatre um, theatres that we sort of our peer organisations that also have apprenticeships as, as places for everyone to work. I've seen the video, which you can watch on the website. Or you can see it on YouTube. And um, and I was just wondering, how on earth do you know if you want to be like a wig maker? It's such a well, niche exactly. skill, but absolutely <laughs> fascinating and so creative and, and really crucial, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and a huge part of my job is, is raising awareness, working with schools and colleges and, and organisations like Amazing Apprenticeships to try and get the message out there about all these you know this myriad of, of, of careers that people don't even know exist and, and I didn't know that half of them existed before I started working for the organization and I sort of you know studied drama and theater work way back when so so it's um yeah it, it it's a lot about getting into schools and, and, 
colleges, but schools early on and, and, and sort of spreading the word about about transferable skills, I think, first and foremost, as well, about how the skills that young people are gaining through through school and th- just through even interests outside of school can transfer into into viable careers and really interesting careers as well. Yeah. And talk to us about um, the, the level of apprenticeships that you offer, because I know a lot of them are level three. And we know from feedback that parents and carers can often have misconceptions that higher and degree apprenticeships are the only apprenticeships of of real value but actually the value of level three is something that we should talk about yeah and I think level three so I think the level three apprenticeship we've we've only ever offered that to to date and we are exploring sort of other levels level two and above level three in terms of the apprenticeship experience at the Royal Opera House that level three First of all, it ensures that we we are working with a, a school leaver because some of the environments that we're putting our apprentices into are, are quite dangerous environments. So we need to sort of work with a school leaver first and foremost. But also that that the, the value that they get in the workplace kind of elevates that level three. It really does. And 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 when um you know where our oh, we have a creative venue technicians are the sort of heart of the program and we at the moment we have seven of those on on the program and they work around all the technical departments they come away with this with this portfolio of knowledge where they could go into other other theatres they could work in other live events they you know they don't need the upper level qualification to progress um in the theatre industry and and I think that that's that's why we've we've kept it at level three. We really want to offer an alternative route into the industry, as I, as I previously said, but an alternative qualification route uh, for, for uh, someone that thinks that university isn't for them, university study isn't for them. We really want to offer that sort of hands-on practical experience. Just a slightly daft question, but you, do you have to love opera or ballet? <laughs> no, not at all. Absolutely not. I mean, I think it does help when we're looking at our apprentices. We want we 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 want them to have an interest in the performing arts, you know, of, of some sort. But definitely not opera and ballet. They, you know, and I, I think that strangely enough, it, it sort of grows with the apprenticeship. And you'll find the apprentices, you know, that that came in knowing nothing about opera, being very defensive about opera, and <laughs> and I really like that because. Uh, yeah, they can seem like very lofty art forms um, and, and very sort of alienating to, to young people. If you've got no experience of that world, it can feel really foreign, can't it? So so if this, yeah. that isn't you, but you think, I, I would love to understand what makes great theatre, I'd love to see what goes on kind of below the stage, behind the scenes, then it may well yeah. be that this is an opportunity for you to explore. You don't have to be able to name five operas off the top of your head, do you? Absolutely not. No, no. And, 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 and equally, you know, a lot of the roles that we have aren't really sort of they may seem they are creative, but they're not arty roles. You know, a, a stage engineer is not, you know, directly involved with opera, and yet they keep the machinery that that keeps uh, all the all, all, um, automated scenery running. You know, but we need engineers. We need people very good at maths. We need particularly people very good at um, uh, networking and 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 working, you know, with programming and things like that that aren't necessarily associated with the arts, but that definitely very needed to make out to keep our shows running and just going back to level three sorry because even though I've been talking about this with you for a long time I still get confused about my level so it's just worth saying once again for parents and carers listening what is level three what does it represent 
Okay, so a level three is an advanced apprenticeship. So we use numbers and words, which is why I think it can get a bit confusing. But typically, a level two would be like a starting point. Um, often your starting point could be level two or level three, actually, into a particular job role. Um, then we've got levels four, five, six, and seven. So if we think of uh, level four being equivalent to the first year of a degree, level five being equivalent to the second year of a degree, level six equivalent to a degree level qualification, and level seven uh, masters, potentially. Rachel, you said it earlier, but I just want to reiterate, we're seeing a really, um, a really challenging move at the moment where I think degree apprenticeships are being positioned alongside degrees in terms of talking about careers education, which means many of the parents and young people that I'm now having conversations with are really getting quite fixed on my child has to get a degree apprenticeship because that's the only one that would be as good as a as going the equivalent of going to university full time. What we know in reality is a lot of employers do not start their positions as degree level apprenticeships. So we see many more positions being advertised at level two and level three, because that is the correct starting point for the job role that you're going to be doing. It is not a backward step. It is almost unfair to compare full-time degrees at university with being in the workplace and learning that skill and that profession and you know gaining all of that expertise in the workplace and unfortunately I think we've we've had this kind of shift and we've got to really try and help parents and families to move back towards seeing the value of these other levels of apprenticeships because as Sarah and Richard have both articulated and indeed I offer within my own organisation and starting at level three or level two is a brilliant way to get your career started and get a foot in the door. And for me, apprenticeships are always about progression. Now, that could be about coming in and starting at um, a level two or a level three and then perhaps going on to a level four, five, six, seven. You know, great. But also for many individuals, Use an apprenticeship as a way to get into that um, industry, into that career. And then it could be that an, an apprenticeship isn't the next right professional development tool for you. It could be that you need to go off and do some other kind of qualification or get something else that could be more relevant to the role that you're doing. So you've, you've set me off. You've got me on my soapbox. But it's just something that I think we've got to really help families to get their heads around at the moment, because I know a lot of schools are really focused on just talking about degree apprenticeships and we've got to rebalance this. I'm hearing you loud and clear, Anna. It's funny, isn't it, the way the conversation has kind of waxed and waned around that. And initially it was like, oh, degree apprenticeships, that's a good way of talking about apprenticeships. But now everyone's become totally fixated with those, as you say. So um, we know from all the conversations we have, there are so many opportunities that come through different routes into into the workplace and in fact that that follows really then neatly into talking to you Richard about progression so let's talk about that you come along you 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 start at the FCDO uh, you come in at a level two or a level three what are the opportunities then to to move through the organization yeah so the the opportunities that there are there are many opportunities so uh, when you mentioned it I was just thinking actually I I actually joined the organization as an apprentice 35 36 years ago um and i remember the the interview took i i, I prepared for it and done it, all, all my research and i was doing fairly well and then the last question was where do you see your career in 10 or 20 years time and i was 15 16 
you know, <laughs> didn't have a clue, completely blind. So all I said, I still can't answer yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Well, yes, fair, fair point. <laughs> so I said, the first thing that came into my head, I said, oh, you know, I'd like to be doing what you're doing, you know, progress. But I didn't have any intention of doing that. That was just the first thing. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> As it transpired, I did actually end up doing what that that, that guy was doing. Um, it took me a little bit longer than 20 years to get there. But I mean, I was I was thinking while you were talking to, to Sarah and Anna, actually, I've had probably seven or eight different jobs within the same organization. So within our organization, we do so many different things that you don't have to leave the organization to do a different role. So for instance, we've had engineers who've gone on to become project managers we've had finance people who've gone on to do procurement you know there is a real kind of mix if you want to change your career direction you don't necessarily have to leave the organization and we are very supportive of of progressing people in their career just something i wanted to pick up on of what anna said about the, the level three as an entry thing whilst we do offer level six and, and level seven apprenticeships many of our apprentices who join at level three subsequently go on with the organization to go and then get degrees as well so again that is another way that they can progress their career within the organization so very much your career is in your hands however you want to drive it is is down to you but obviously we will support you 100 percent with whatever it is you want to do in fact i was reading uh, your longest serving apprentice is still in the organization has been there for 55 years he has yes he, he... Yeah, quite incredible, really. I mean, I think that's the other thing as well, is that we, we're not entirely sure why, but our retention rates on apprenticeships are considerably better than than those who join through the non-apprenticeship role. Um, we've never really been able to fathom out quite why that is. But yeah, within my cohort, there were five of us who joined back in the late 80s, uh, and three of us are still with the organisation. And that's not uh, that's not untypical, you know, years above and below. Again, retention rates of 50% plus are, are not uncommon at all. That's really interesting. Sarah, do you have any sort of similar experience of that? I don't, I mean, I know you haven't been with the Royal Opera House as long as Richard's been with the FCDO, but um, do you sense that that people come along and stay or is there a higher turnover in, in, in the world of arts? Um, a, a lot of our apprentices stay absolutely and and, and we we have yeah a whole sort of alumni of apprentices that still work with us you know like the head of armory is an ex-apprentice and and um yeah yeah it definitely does trans translate into work with us and long-term work with us but equally we sort of do encourage the way that the industry works encourage our apprentices to sort of fledge out into the industry and get lots of experience in other fields because it's so varied the uh, theater and, and sort of working on live events but um but yeah a lot of them do do and we've got success success stories this even this year with apprentices who uh have barely even finished their course and sort of applied for and been offered jobs within the organization so stretched that they'll walk straight into after they've finished you know their assessment as an apprentice so you know it's yeah lots of good news stories and look for some people they will absolutely relish the thought of being involved in live performance and that might mean late nights and weekends and that sort of thing but do you mm. find concern about antisocial hours or maybe um slightly less stable contracts much more flexibility within the world of arts does that put people off make them a little less sure I think it might I think it, it certainly does in terms of looking at it as a career I think once they're they're in it and they understand it um not all of our uh, roles that we have are do work those antisocial hours many of them do work you know a normal nine to five uh, uh 
job but um the uh it's the yeah it's the on-stage tech crew apprentices but they're young and they're excited to be there and once they're involved in making the shows you have to sort of stop them going over their hours every week you just like go home (laughs) they you know they really like being heart at the heart of it and you get free tickets to performances or, or discounts anyway we do yeah yeah we we sort of get staff discounts there's a lot of lovely perks as working for the opera house so but we 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 get tickets to go along to what we call the generals which are like dress rehearsals of of most of the performances and and yeah and also yeah if i mean if they're working on the on the on the stage crews anyway they they see it firsthand every night that yeah there's lots of opportunities for free tickets and for you know to be part of you know all that's going on at the opera house there's lots of brilliant opportunities and both of our guests today have talked about the fact that one of the reasons they've grown the range of apprenticeship roles available is because of a skills gap are you increasingly seeing sectors which don't traditionally offer apprenticeships looking at it as a way of bringing in new and diverse talent definitely yeah there's a few things there so we've got so first of all, I suppose if we rewind the clock a little bit, we've had the introduction of the apprenticeship levy six years ago. So this was a kind of tax that the government brought in um, for any big business with a pay bill of three million pounds or more. So um, so big businesses basically each month have to pay their apprenticeship levy. And the only way they can get that money back is to invest it in apprenticeship training. So this is one big driver that we've seen. Um, And that really has led to many employers or industries who perhaps didn't have that history of offering apprenticeships, having to rethink their strategies. And so lots and lots of very interesting organisations now offering incredible apprenticeship schemes in a number of different roles. So I suppose that's one of the first bits. Then, as you've rightly pointed out, the skills gap challenge that we've got in our country at the moment, kind of post-pandemic, post-Brexit, you know, lots of businesses of all sizes are looking at the kind of talent that they're looking to attract and the roles that they're looking to fill and are increasingly looking at apprenticeships as a brilliant way to be able to bring individuals into their organisation of all ages. You know, but this is not just a school leaver program. We are seeing and meeting many, many apprentices who are adults, you know, maybe using apprenticeships as a way to re-career. This is a new phrase that we've got going around, re-careering. So kind of upskilling or changing job roles. So that's a real thing. And particularly, I think, where where individuals are are looking for that career change, or they maybe are in the organisation that they're working in, they're an existing employee and using it as a way to upskill. And then the other bit you touched on there, Rachel, was diversity and inclusion. And definitely we are seeing employers really looking at um, their, their entire workforce strategy, their people strategy and saying, are we representative of the communities that we serve and that our customer base? And if we're not, what are we going to do about it? And how can we become more diverse and more representative? And that's where apprenticeships come in. So lots of employers saying, Could apprenticeships be part of the solution for us to reshape 
our workforce and think about who we're attracting, how we bring them in, how we nurture them and develop them so that we've we've got a more diverse workforce. Because there is a huge amount of research that more diverse workforces will be more productive, more efficient, you'll bring more ideas, you know, all of that research is there. So the business, more creative. Completely. That mm. business case is there. Employers know they should be doing it. And I think we're seeing apprenticeships being one of the vehicles really. Um, so there's a, there's a number of business drivers going on. The good news is we've got lots and lots of apprenticeship vacancies at all levels being advertised across the country. Yeah, I can't emphasise enough that if you have any idea of the sort of area you might want to work in, it is worth seeing if there's an apprenticeship scheme somewhere out there for you, because increasingly there will be, there will be options. And um, I do want to mention, Richard, um, before we go, that... We've talked about apprenticeships, but there are other schemes within the FCDO services, aren't there, in terms of entry points or upskilling or career change. So it's not just apprenticeships, but there's work experience, volunteering, for example, grad schemes and so on. How, how do people find out more about those? So we do struggle a little bit with work experience because of the nature of the work that we do. Um, there are some sensitivities around bringing people on site, but we've recently appointed uh, a lady who's in, involved with outreach. So we are looking, we've done a number of uh, virtual work experience events where uh, students from some schools can come along. Uh, we have an online event and they can talk to current and, and former apprentices and they can kind of give them a, a flavour of, of, of the work that's involved. So, I mean, I go into a lot of schools and I, I quite like to take, if an apprentice has been to a certain school and I'm invited to go back there, I like to take that apprentice along because, you know, me as a 50-something-year-old may, may have some relevance to the, the, the students, possibly not, I don't know. Whereas if they see somebody who was at that school maybe a year, two years ago, it has a lot more resonance and they think, oh, I recognise that. Oh, right, they're, they're doing what? Okay, right, that makes sense. So, yeah, we, we, we you know, we, we, we're not just looking at apprenticeships. You know, that isn't our only route into the organisation. And, of course, there is direct entry. So if somebody's got some skill, a skill set that we're looking for uh, and they fancy a career change, possibly with the opportunity of overseas travel, you know, there are direct entry routes as well. And finally, just to the two of you, Sarah, first of all, you... If people are inspired by what they've heard, what is it that you're looking for? What personal qualities are you looking for in the people uh, that you'd like to attract to the Royal Opera House? I think just a curiosity, um, interest, you know, in, in the role that they're that they're looking at, just um, enthusiasm and and you know a, a desire to kind of develop a career in 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 something that they may not have expected. We're really not. You know, when we appoint the apprentices, we don't look for experts in in the field. We're, that's you know, we're, we're there to train them to be experts. Perfect. And what about you, Richard? I wish you'd asked me first because Sarah's just basically said everything that I was going to say. Um, yeah, it's okay. I, I think you can just I, repeat I, it. I just repeat it. That's that's, that's <laughs> easy, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think a, a passion for what it is you're going to do. I mean, you know, we all know that if you enjoy doing what you do, then you're probably going to be more productive at that job than, than perhaps if it's just a passing fancy. Um, I think people who are committed, who, who you know, who, who want to stay the course uh, and, 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 and want to do the job is, is clearly something that we're looking for. Um, but yeah, pretty much Sarah said it all really. Well, you have all uh, fulfilled your roles perfectly today in giving us an 
unique insight into a world of work I think a lot of people will have known nothing about. So I really appreciate it. Sarah and Richard, thank you so much. And Anna, thank you for being back with us again. And to everyone listening, wherever you are doing it, thank you for being part of this today. If you have any questions or comments at all, uh, then please do get in touch with us on social media. It's at Amazing Apprenticeships or at Not Going to Uni and use the hashtag Parent Perspective. See you soon.